let's pick it up in Genesis chapter 46, starting in verse 1. Okay, so everything is cool with uh, Joseph and his brothers, and, and Jacob's now on his way to Egypt to have a reunion with Joseph. And it says this in verse 1. It says, So Jacob set out for Egypt with all his possessions. And we, when he came to Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. During the night, God spoke to him in a vision. Jacob, Jacob, he called. Here I am, Jacob replied. I am God, the God of your father, the voice said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make your family into a great nation. I will go with you down to Egypt, and I will bring you back again. You will die in Egypt, but Joseph will be with you to close your eyes. Okay, so there's three highlights to these few verses that really encapsulate everything that we've been studying these last three months, and it is this. I am God. Do not be afraid. I will go with you. If we can hang on to those three things, then we got it. I, I, really, I really just preached three months worth in, in three things right there. I am God. Do not be afraid. I will go with you. And here, this is what I love about it when, when you read, especially in the Old Testament, when God is introducing himself, he does this to Moses, he's doing it to Jacob here and others. How he introduces himself is so important. He says, I am God. That's it. No question mark. I am God? I, am I God? No, not even an exclamation point, but a period. I am God. Done. All right, there's no arguing. There's no debating. This is it. I am God. And though we might think that or not, doesn't change the fact that it's true. I am God statement. End of sentence. No more. Period. I am God. So if we can understand that, then here comes the next thing. Don't be afraid. Okay, you're God, I get it. Don't be afraid. Well, and then we start to argue that, right? We're arguing against the fact that he is God. Well, if he is God, period, then everything that comes along with it is true, which means that we don't have to be afraid because of the third thing. I will go with you. I am God. Don't be afraid. I will go with you. Are y'all listening to me this morning? Everything that we've been talking about these last three months, whether it's coming to the altar and kneeling and having honest repentance and telling God the things that have been buried in your heart that you're too afraid to express, I am God. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Whether you feel alone and forgotten and you're in that jail cell and you said, remember me, and you feel all, uh, everyone else has moved on except you and you're stuck there, I am God. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Whatever the situation might be, a dysfunctional family, you can't get it right. There's, there's, there's all this stuff going on in your family. Your marriage is a wreck. Whatever it might be, your finances, I am God. Do not be afraid. I will go with you. That's it. What else do we need to know? Not only will he go with us, but he has come down to us and he has died for us so that we can always be with him. He is God. Do not be afraid. He will go with you. Whatever it is, whatever the situation, whatever the dream, whatever it might be, whatever the calling, don't be afraid. He's gonna go with you. That's it. That's a wrap. 
Verse 5 says, So Jacob left Beersheba, and his sons took him to Egypt. They carried him and their little ones and their wives in the wagons Pharaoh had provided for them. They also took all their livestock and all the personal belongings they had acquired in the land of Canaan. So Jacob and his entire family went to Egypt. Sons and grandsons, daughters and granddaughters, all of his descendants. These are the names of the descendants of Israel, the sons of Jacob, who went to Egypt. So what I want to do now is, there's about 70 names here listed, and I just want to go through each one and just break them down one by one. <laughs> hey, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. I'm not even close to smart enough to do something like that. That's those, you know, if I'm being honest, like, okay, skip down, next one, let's, let's get to the meat of things. I'm sure it has very relevant, and people smarter than me can do a sermon on that. Not for today, church. Um, but I do want to talk about this real quick, because this is important. The promise didn't start with Joseph. It didn't start with Jacob. It started with Abraham. That's where the promise started, with Joseph's great-grandfather. And God tells him, I'm going to make you a father of many nations, right? VBS, anyone here in the back of their head? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons of Father Abraham. And, you know, your descendants will be like the sand on the seashore. All this stuff, like crazy, right? Well, check this out. He gives him this promise over 25 years go by. And then... God gives him one. He gives him one. And then another 60 years go by, and there's another one. And then another 60 or so years go by, and finally, Jacob does something good, and there's 12, right? Over 215 years go by between the promise to Abraham and where we are now, and it's like 70 people. But remember, God promised it. God promised it. I am God. All right? He promised it. And so 215 years and all that. But check this out. And in the next 430 years, so twice as much time, it goes from 70 to over 2 million. All right? And so the point that I want to make in all this and talking about this is we have to understand that the promises of God, that the dreams of God that he gives us are his promises. They are his dreams that he relays to us. And that means that he gets to fulfill them however he wants, in whatever timing he wants. We don't get to control that, but we get in trouble when we try. And we'll see that in a few minutes here. But this is the thing that we have to go back to. God says, I am God, not you. I am God. So do not be afraid for I will go with you. But God, you, you said that. Yeah, I know I said it. I know. But God, you gave me this dream. And I, I know I did. I know. I know what I said. I have a great memory. I am God. Don't be afraid. I'm going to go with you. And so let's talk about that a little bit as we get to Genesis 47 now. And the brothers are there and Jacob's there. And listen to what happens here. It says, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, now that your father and brothers have joined you here, choose any place in the entire land of Egypt for them to live. Give them the best land of Egypt. Let them live in the region of Goshen. And if any of them have special skills, put them in charge of my livestock too. And so here's what I love. And this is, this is so incredible, y'all. God, when he gives us a promise, when he gives us a dream like he gave Joseph, he's only truly giving us a fraction of what is actually going to happen. Because what we go back, this, this all started with a dream with Joseph back in Canaan, and he could say, wait a second, God, all you told me was that my family was going to bow down to me. 
That, that was the dream, that they were gonna come and they were gonna bow down to me and that's it. Now you're telling me that they're gonna come and they're gonna live in Egypt, the best area of Egypt, and they're gonna work for Pharaoh? That's above and beyond what I could ever imagine. Yeah, that's how God works, y'all. He gives us dreams, but he only gives us a piece of it because if he gave us all of it, our heads would explode. They absolutely would explode. We have a hard enough time handling what he does tell us. That little glimmer of amazingness that he allows us to dream and partake, it blows us away. If he gave us the whole picture, we, we wouldn't be able to function. So what do we do? We trust in him. We have to understand that he is God. And so if he's given you a dream, if he's given you a promise, like everything that we've been discussing these last three months, we have to know that it's just a fraction. So whatever he is calling you to, whatever steps he's, he's telling you to make, it's just a piece. It's just a piece of what he has for each one of us. We're talking about Isaiah 117 this morning. It's just a piece. It's just a little bit. We've only seen a glimpse of what God, God's gonna do in that. Same thing here at Beaches Chapel. We're just seeing little glimpses in your own life, whatever it might be in your homes. You're getting glimpses, you're getting tastes, but the dream is so much bigger and it's because it's not ours. It's not our dream. Just like we talked about, I think it was last week, about how we don't speak the love language of God. It's the same thing with dreams. We don't dream like God. We just don't. And so here we see that as the family is coming back, it's not about bowing down to Joseph. It's about family restoration. It's about provision. It's about keeping his promise. The bowing down, that was, that was just a little bit for them to get to. But the true dream was about God fulfilling his promise. And it wasn't just with Joseph. It actually happens to Pharaoh too. He has a dream, right? There's seven years of plenty, seven years of want. But God even goes beyond what Pharaoh dreamt. And I believe it's all because Pharaoh, remember, if you remember this, looked at Joseph and said, who else in all of Egypt has God on him like this dude? Let's put him in charge of everything. And so by doing that, God took the dreams that he gave even Pharaoh, right? And he went above and beyond. He, in the seven years of famine, Pharaoh became even more rich. He, we're not going to read about it, but he owns all the livestock. He gets all the money. He, even the Egyptians become his servants, right? To where even when after the famine is over, he continues to get 20% of all that is brought in. God goes above and beyond even for him because he trusts a guy who follows the Lord even when he doesn't even worship that God. God goes above and beyond every single time if we understand the truth that he is God and we are not. We're not afraid. He's gonna go with us. If we can just live like that, watch him go above and beyond. But here's where things get a little tricky. Let's go down to Genesis 48 now. Jacob is, is, is basically on his deathbed at this moment. And uh, he, he wants to see Joseph. He wants to see his, his two, uh, Joseph's two boys. And it says this in verse eight. It says, then Jacob looked over at the two boys. Are these your sons? He asked. Yes, Joseph told him. These are the sons God has given me here in Egypt. And Jacob said, bring them closer to me so I can bless them. Jacob was half blind because of his age and could hardly see. So Joseph brought the boys close to him and Jacob kissed and embraced them. Then Jacob said to Joseph, I love this sentence. It says, I never thought I would see your face again, but now God has let me see your children too, above and beyond. 
Verse 12, Joseph moved the boys who were at their grandfather's knees and he bowed with his face to the ground. Then he positioned the boys in front of Jacob. With his right hand, he directed Ephraim toward Jacob's left hand. And with his left hand, he put Manasseh at Jacob's right hand. So Joseph is positioning the boys in age so that the oldest will get the better blessing, right? This was the custom of the age. He's not doing anything out of, uh, you know, out of the ordinary here, but he, notice, is positioning the boys how he thinks it's supposed to be. Verse 14, but Jacob crossed his arms as he reached out to lay his hands on the boys' heads. He put his right hand on the head of Ephraim, though he was the younger boy, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, though he was the firstborn. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this very day, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they preserve my name and the names of Abraham and Isaac, and may their descendants multiply greatly throughout the earth. Awesome blessing, right? What a moment here. And listen to Joseph's response. In verse 17, it says, but Joseph was upset. Joseph's upset. And this blows me away here, okay? Because as far as I can tell, as far as I can remember, with everything that Joseph went through in his life from being sold into slavery by his family, by being falsely accused of rape, when he did nothing wrong in the house and thrown into jail, being forgotten in jail, being lied to by his brothers to his face that he was dead. This right here is the first mention of Joseph being upset. Now, maybe he was in on that process. I can't imagine him not being, but this is the first time that God thought it necessary to put in his word that Joseph was upset. Why? Because in this moment, Joseph tries to play God. He says, no, 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 dad, you got it wrong. He goes on to say this, let's read it and then we'll talk about it. He says, when Joseph was upset when he saw that his father placed his right hand on Ephraim's head. So Joseph lifted it to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. No, my father, he said, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused. And I love this. I know my son, I know, he replied. Manasseh will also become a great people, but his younger brother will become even greater. And his descendants will become a multitude of nations. Do you know how often we treat God like an old dying blind man? And we say, no, 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 God, you don't get it. You put your hand on the wrong person. Let me just take those hands and put them where I think it's supposed to be so that I can fulfill your promise that you're making right now so that I can fulfill the blessing that I think it's supposed to be. And so that's what we do with God just like Joseph did. He's trying to operate in, in, the, in the custom of the day and, 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 jo and Jacob's saying, I don't know, I know. I'm not that far gone yet. I know how all this works, but this is how I see it. This is how I see it. And when we play God in our own lives and even, oh, ooh, especially with other people that we don't like God the blessing over us, and that's a topic for another day, but when we start acting like that and trying to control the blessings of God over other people's lives and our own lives, you know what happens? We become just like Joseph and we get mad and we get angry. All the while God's going, I know, I know, I know what I'm doing. 
You're my son. You're my daughter. Remember, I am God. And these blessings and these dreams and these promises, they're from me. They're not from you. So stop trying to move my hands. I know what I'm doing. Stop treating me like an old, dying, blind man. I am God. Don't be afraid. I'm going with you. That is what it is all about. But we have to remember our place in all of this, y'all. We can't step out of our lane. I don't love that saying, but it, it is what it is. All right. Um, can we do it? Can we trust God? Can we listen to the words that he tells Jacob and apply them to ourselves with whatever we are walking through? Or are we gonna try and hear them and say, okay, God, I get it now. Let me control the situation. Let me control your promise and I'm going to do it my way. All that's gonna yield is you being angry and upset and probably at God, ironically. So where are you at right now? In everything that we've been talking about these last three months, where are you at? Are you struggling with pride? Are you hurt? Do you have grudges, deep scars? Are there things that you need to repent of? Or like last week, is the jumbo jet in the driveway and God's saying, get on. And you're afraid to take that next step and trust him, not just with the little things, with your entire life and believe what he says about you. This is it, y'all. This is the day to live out those words that I am God, period. And you don't need to be afraid of anything. I'm going with you. And that's what carried Joseph through. And everything, the Lord was with him, right? That's what we said over and over. The Lord is with him. I want to have the band come on back up. We're going to have a chance to respond to this. And I want to, I want to read really quickly a couple other verses what Paul says about God's promises in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 18. It says, But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So when we hear the promises of God that are yes, our response isn't no, 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 no. Let's move our hands. Our response is amen. So be it. You are God. I am not. And if you say it, I believe it. And I'm not gonna be afraid because I know that you are with me. Those are the promises. Here's where it's sealed right here in John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's where it's sealed. That is where it's sealed. God loved us so much that he sent Jesus so that we could look to the cross every single time and know that he is not a liar. He proved it. He proved it on the cross. And so we can know that. But again, y'all, that's just a fraction. 
That's just a fraction of what God has shown us. That's just a fraction of what he has said to us. There is so much more. And here's a glimpse. Here's a glimpse of that, that John writes about in Revelation 19. No more is Jesus the sacrificial lamb. No more is he the whipping boy of the Pharisees or the Roman guards. But we get to see a different side of Jesus that begins in verse 11 of Revelation 19. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood and his title was the word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. My goodness gracious, y'all. I love those verses because it shows us a different side of Jesus. But you know what? It just shows us a fraction of what it's really gonna be. Because God can't show us all of it. We can't handle it all. We can't handle the true full story. Where Joseph saw a dream in his family bowing down God saw family reconciliation. He saw provision. He saw the best in Egypt. He saw it all. And for you, for your marriage, for your children, for your finances, for your walk with the Lord, for your health, he sees a bigger picture. Will you trust him? Do you believe that when he says, I am God, he is God? Do you believe that when he says, don't be afraid to not be afraid? Do you believe that when he says, I will go with you, that he will go with you and that he is with you always? Because that's what it's about. And when we do that and we trust in him, these dreams will come true. They will come true. But remember, they're God's dreams over you. They're his promises over you. So don't try and take his hands and move in the places you think they should go. Just leave him as is. He is God and we are not. Let's stand up. I want to invite our elders and our pastors to come up. And we want to pray for you this, as we close this series out. Whatever you might be walking through this morning, whatever you're dealing with, if you've been coming up these last three months, every single Sunday that we've had prayer, come up again. Come up again. We've, we've covered a whole lot of things these last few months. Let's seal it this morning stand in agreement for what God has for you. Father, thank you so much, Lord. Oh God, we love you. We thank you that you are a great and wonderful God. That what we've sung about this morning is so true. You are good, Lord. You are a good God. And as we pray and as we sing, Lord, walls come down. Help us, Jesus, this morning to take our hands off the reins. If we've been God in our own life, semi-trusting you, but not really, help us to let go, God, and to know that you are God. We love you, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit move in this moment, Lord. I just pray over all that are gonna come get prayed for, whether you would speak prophetically into their lives. Holy Spirit, 
Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We love you.